0: And uh, I'm going to read a few verses from Matthew 5. I'm going to start in verse 13. Tonight, I want to talk to you about why I believe God wants uh, your influence to grow. I think God wants you to have influence. And uh, I, I really want to, hopefully by the time you've left tonight, you will leave with some, some keys, some um, ways that you can grow your influence. Not just, not just uh, on your job but in your family. How many of you would like more influence in your life? Just more influence, more open doors, more things happening, more. Uh, Dr. Dave Martin just came a, a week or so ago and he talked about favor. And uh, favor, there's, there is a favor that we, we get from God that is an undeserved, unmerited favor. But there is also earned favor in the sense that we do something, somebody sees it, and they do a favor for us. Does that make any sense? For instance, you remember Ruth in the Bible? The Bible talks about how Boaz, when he, when he met with Ruth, Ruth said, why are you doing all of these kind things for me? One translation talks about why are you showing me so much favor? And he said, because I heard of how you treated your mother-in-law. That's pretty good, isn't it? So in other words, there are things that we are doing that are actually setting our lives up for more favor. And I want to talk to you tonight about how to have more influence. And uh, Matthew chapter 5 Verse 13, this is what the Bible says. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I think one of the things that, that uh, maybe frustrates God about us is that we come to church so often asking God to light our fire, but then we go home and we hide it under our bed and we hide it in our rooms and that's actually a fire hazard. And uh, so God doesn't want to damage your home or your bedroom. So I think sometimes we wonder, where's the fire? And God's saying, I would give you fire if you'd stop hiding it when I give it. Can somebody say amen? It's already getting real in here on a Wednesday night. I've been gone two weeks. I'm ready to roll. So bear with me. It's going to be an interesting, interesting night. So God says that we are salt, we are light. He wants us to have influence. Matter of fact, the Bible says about Jesus in Luke chapter 2 verse 52 it says of Jesus that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with well, who? Men. His influence grew. In other words, when Jesus came on the scene at 30, he didn't just appear out of nowhere. Matter of fact, Jesus had actually done ministry before he was 30. He was actually a very young boy teaching in the temple and wowing and amazing the priests. So he had really set himself up for influence so that when he only had three and a half years to do what he needed to do, he was ready. Things were rolling. His influence was already being made known in the earth. Isn't that good? And so God wants your influence to grow. Why would he want your influence to grow? Not just for you, not just so that you can get a better job and you can get better things. God wants your influence to grow for the sake of the gospel. God needs you to know more people, to be in more rooms, to have more access because there are more people that he wants to save. Can somebody say amen? And so I I really believe this with all my heart, that God wants to grow our influence, not just the influence of Calvary Church, but the influence of you, the church, as individuals in your businesses, on your jobs, with your families, with your children, with your wife, with the people that are around you, because he wants the name of his son, Jesus, to be made famous in all of the earth. How How many of you believe that Jesus deserves to be the most famous name in the whole world, be the most known name in the whole world. I believe it. So let's, let's talk about how we can, we can grow our influence. And, uh, and I think this is gonna help you in more ways, than, more ways than one. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the privilege of getting together on a Wednesday night. Thank you for this uh, midweek opportunity for us to gather together and see each other and to talk about you and to worship you. We give you glory and honor for everything that's going to be said, because it's all going to be said for you, for your glory and in your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. So the key is the idea is the the big idea for tonight is this idea of God wants to grow your influence. Um, And I think sometimes when we think of influence, we ultimately begin to think of talented people or gifted people. And when we look very often at influential people, one of the first things we notice are talents and gifts. And so very often we'll look at ourselves and, and we won't believe about ourselves that God wants us to be influential because we don't believe we are as talented or as gifted um, or have all of the resources and funding or whatever or background that somebody else has. But that's not how God works. God doesn't look for talent first. God looks for heart first. Can somebody say amen? Matter of fact, when Samuel was going to anoint the next king, he picked all of the tall, talented, good-looking ones. And he thought every one of them would be the one. And God said, that is not how I choose the people that I want to elevate. He said, I'm looking for a man that is after my own heart. This is what I want. I want you to look past what they look like, past their talent. And I want you to look to the heart of the matter. You know what matters to God? Character matters to God. Integrity matters to God. Faithfulness matters to God. And in our world, faithfulness is not a very flashy thing, but it's the thing that matters the most in the kingdom of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God God's pleasure doesn't come from us being successful. God's pleasure comes from us being faithful. And there is nobody in this room who has an excuse as to why you can't be faithful. You can't blame your mama. You can't blame your daddy. You can't blame your education. You can't blame the color of your skin. There is nobody who has an excuse as to why you can't be faithful. Faithfulness is something that every one of us can do. Amen. Robbie, you're preaching. You should be really excited right now. Let me give you just a few thoughts that I have. These are a few. None of these have to do with talent. I think talent is important. I think skill is necessary. In other words, when, when, when David was brought before uh, Saul to play the harp, you know, he had to know how to play <laughs> the harp. So I think skill and talent are important. But I think more than that, your skill can open doors for you. and and bring you into situations, but only consistent character can keep you there, okay? So I wanna talk about what I believe are four priorities for influence, four priorities for influence, and these are all issues of character. And the first one is this, consistency. I believe consistency is one of the most underrated character issues in our life. Consistency. I want to talk to you about consistency because here's what the Bible says about consistency. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What is the command there? The command is be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding. There is something that God desires from us called Consistency. And one of the things that people are looking for in your life and one of the things that will help you gain influence is the consistency of your nature and your character. Matter of fact, it's one of the things we love most about God. Nothing will get a church fired up more than saying he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's one of our favorite things about God that I am the Lord, I change not. One of our favorite things is that I know that no matter what I have done today, that when I approach God, his attitude towards me is going to be the same. It's not going to be based on my behavior. It's not going to be based on how, how, how many prayers I said that day or how many Bible verses I said that day. When I approach God, his nature and character towards me is always the same. Is there anybody in this room grateful that he is the same yesterday, today? And forever, so if that's something we appreciate about God and we are made in his image and Jesus coming and dying for us was to bring us back to that same image, what should we be? Consistent. Should be the same. One of my favorite qualities about people in my life and some of my closest friends, the reason they're my closest friends is because I don't have to wonder where I stand with them. I don't have to wonder, okay, today are they gonna be mean to me? And then tomorrow are they gonna act like nothing happened and be really nice to me? Are there any, is there anybody in your life that is just inconsistent? And because they are inconsistent, they have no influence in your life. You cannot have influence if you are inconsistent in your behavior and in your actions. People must know where they stand with you, it must be clear. We have a day, we live in a day where there is so much inconsistency. And when you look, <laughs> oh man, is anybody glad November 6th has come and gone? Is anybody else just <laughs> grateful for that? I, I just, I got, I got so sick of the television ads. Did anybody just get sick of these political TV ads? They just they 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 reveal inconsistencies. Their messages were inconsistent. One day you would hear a guy saying saying, you know, I'm all about, you know, just moving forward. I'm not I don't play dirty politics. And then the next thing you would say is their opponent is the worst person in the world. They stole from you. They killed your mama and you didn't know about it. Like and you're like, but I thought you weren't dirty. But why are you? And, and we find it such a hard thing to do to really allow that person to have influence in our lives. Why? Because they're not consistent. If you would just say what you mean and mean what you say, I, c- I could allow you to have influence in my life, but because you are so inconsistent, your speech and your attitude and your character and who you are never line up. I can't trust you. And if I don't trust you, I won't allow you to have influence in my life. I will not allow somebody to tell me what it is like and what I should do in my marriage that doesn't have a good marriage. I'm not going to do it. And you're like, that's really mean. Well, Well, you go ahead and keep taking advice from crazy people. That's that's on you. But I'm just I'm I'm telling you, you want to be consistent because consistency presses you forward in your influence. It it means you are dependable. I can trust you. I can have confidence in you. It means your yes is yes and your no is no. (laughs) This is good. How do I stay consistent? Let me give you just three things that I think will help you stay consistent. First thing is this. I think you need to be led by calling and not comfort. You need to be led by calling and not comfort. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says this about Jesus. I've shared this before, but I want to say it again tonight. Luke 4 and 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In other words, what the Bible is saying here is that you you will be led by what you are full of. Does that make sense? Let me say it another way. What you are full of, you will be led by. Does that make sense? Because some people understand sentences in different ways. Like, have you ever noticed that? Like, you can say something one way, and somebody's like, "Yeah, I get that," but then the other person's like, "I don't understand." And then you say the same thing just a different way, and then they're like, "Oh my gosh, it makes so much sense now. I didn't know what I was thinking." So I was, you will be led by what you are full of, and you, what you are full of, you will be led by. Watch this. What's what happens? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. What's what happens first? He leaves the Jordan. First of all, when you are full of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just tell you where you should go. It tells you what you should leave. <laughs> now, some of you, the problem is you, you you know where to go, but you haven't left the Jordan. Like, some of you, God is calling you into the future, but, but he's asking you to leave that relationship. Ooh, that's really... God God is calling you here, but he's asking you to put that job down. He is calling you to this, but he's asking you to walk away from the Jordan because you can't get to where you're going if you stay where you are. That's very simple, isn't it? But very often we're like, I know where I'm going, and it doesn't seem I can, I I don't know how to to really get there. The problem, the reason you don't know how to get there is because you refuse to leave where you are at, and until you leave where you are, you cannot get where you are going. My friend Dusty says it like this. He says, you are where you are. I'm like, that's so brilliant. That's so deep. He says, the Lord is here and he's been here ever since. I'm like, that's so, so, so brilliant. You just hang out with Dusty for like five minutes and he will just, just the most simple thought. But, but you, 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 you might, one of your problems might be you have a vision for your future, but you, you refuse to leave your situation. And, and the first thing the Spirit does here is it tells, he, he tells Jesus what to leave. So it says he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, watch this, into the wilderness. Many times we don't get to where we're supposed to be because we are looking for detours around the wilderness. When the path to your purpose is potentially, probably, most likely through the wilderness. Talk to anybody who has a decent marriage and they will tell you the reason they have a decent marriage is because they went through a crazy marriage. Like, like if, even if they're married to the same person, like it's the tale of two marriages. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, there was a period in our marriage that it wasn't like it is right now. And if, and if we would have given up when it was the wilderness, we would have never made it to the promise. And I'm just telling you, a lot of the stuff you're avoiding is actually the thing you need to go through so that you can get to the promise that God has for your life. Stop avoiding wildernesses. Stop acting like the wilderness is God forsaking you. No, God is right there with you in the middle of the wilderness just as much as he is with you in the promise. And I'm telling you, if you'll walk through the wilderness, you'll find out stuff about yourself. God will deal with your heart. He will rid you of, of things that are not supposed to be in your life. One of the reasons God had to take the people of God through the wilderness is because they, they still had so much of, of Egypt and bondage and a mentality of bondage in them that God had to take them through the wilderness to break that off of them so that they could go in. Matter of fact, what happened was there were people that the wilderness didn't teach them a thing. Don't, don't be so stupid that you don't learn from the wilderness. Like an entire generation missed out on the promise because they didn't learn in the wilderness. You know what they did? They complained. You know what will stall your life quicker than anything and make you walk around in circles? A lack of gratitude. I'm just preaching right now. I'm having a really good time up here. I was excited when I put this sermon together. I'm just telling you the thing that will make you walk in circles and feel disillusioned and frustrated is a lack of gratitude. When you start to complain about the wilderness, you can bet you're walking in circles. Guarantee you're not going anywhere. Can I tell you, I I can tell a person who isn't going anywhere by the complaints that come out of their mouth i can, i can I can tell you're not going anywhere you're ungrateful you're not thankful you're not going anywhere you're not moving you're standing still and the reason you're standing still is because you are not grateful you're like, but Robbie, what if i don't have anything to be grateful for i said what, what did you not were your sins not forgiven? did you not get redeemed by the blood did you did you not get filled with the Holy ghost like like, has God not changed your life? What, what are you talking about? What do you, what do you have to be grateful for? How about the Son of God that was slain on Calvary's cross for your sins and for your life so that you didn't have to go to hell? Like, is there anything to be grateful for? Tell me. Let me tell you something. If that's all he ever did for you, that's, that's worth the rest of your life on your knees in prayer thanking him. That's worth the rest of your life. Going, I don't have a reason to go to your. Ch-. Yeah, you have a reason to go to church. Jesus died for you. Yeah, you have a reason to be grateful. Jesus died for you. <laughs> I need something else. Whoa! If you need more than the sacrifice of Jesus to be grateful, then you will always be looking for something else. There's nothing greater. Nothing greater is gonna come into your life than what Christ has done for you in redeeming you from death. Nothing better. There is no person, there is no job, there's no amount of money. I I don't care if you won the 1.6 billion, that'd be awfully nice. I wish it would have been somebody from Calvary Church. That would have been sweet. But anyhow... And I don't care if it's 1.6 billion. I don't care if it's a mansion. I don't care if it's a car you always dreamed of. Nothing that will come into your life will be better than the day Jesus walked into your life. Is there anybody in this room that says the day Jesus walked into my life is the greatest day. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I I cannot be led by comfort. I must be led by calling and the, the spirit calls me forward, and sometimes the Spirit calls me through the wilderness. Second thing, I, am, I, I must be led by godly wisdom and not worldly culture. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. I'm gonna say something, this might be controversial and not very popular and people might leave, but it's okay. Can I tell you, there, there, there are issues in the Bible that my emotions disagree with. There are things that the Bible says are wrong that emotionally I feel are right. Does anybody ever It's just it's just me standing up here on the stage tonight. Kind of exposing like this thing, like have you ever in your life emotionally felt something was right that the Bible says is wrong? Can we talk about it? Can we talk about sexuality for a second? Can we talk about the fact that emotionally, I see two people, two human beings, two grown people who say they are in love and want to get married and emotionally from the same sex. And, they, and emotionally, my emotionally, my heart says, well, they're in love. They love it. What's wrong? They're not hurting anybody. But when the Bible. Says it's wrong, my emotions are wrong. It it doesn't tell it. Speaking the truth is not a lack of compassion. Speaking the truth is the greatest form of Compassion. When, when you let your emotions lead you, you bypass scripture and you put your emotion and your feeling on the throne of your life. And if you do that, you will destroy your life. I'm not getting any help in here right now. I'm just telling you, I have in, in my life, I, there are things that I read in the Bible and emotionally I say that can't be right. Emotionally, it breaks your heart and emotionally you're like, God, you. You've got to see this, right? Like, you've got to see, like, let, just, just look at this situation. Like, God, and his scripture is clear, and my emotion tells me something. That my emotions are wrong, and his word is right. <laughs> that doesn't mean, That doesn't make you hateful. That doesn't make you intolerant. That doesn't make you a right-wing nut job. That makes you a believer in the Bible. You are constantly throughout your Christianity going to come into contact with Scripture that disagrees with your lower nature, your emotions, your feelings, your experiences. And you have to take your emotions and your feelings and your experiences, and you have to submit them to God's Word and say, not my will, But thine will be done. That's why Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow me, I'm inviting you to follow me. But you know what following me looks like? It looks like taking up a cross, denying yourself, and following me. You don't get to be in charge. You don't get to tell me I'm wrong because you think you're right. You don't get to tell me the best, the best path for your life. You don't get to tell me what what you don't you don't get to because you don't like it, tell me that I'm wrong. This is truly following Jesus, and we live in a culture that wants to cherry pick Scripture for their own benefit. They just want to run in and grab a verse that says this. I saw the most, the most. I, I, maybe I guess it's oxymoronic thing. I saw this whole election cycle. I saw, I saw a, uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw uh, on a on a ticker on the bottom of a screen. I saw. Uh, I don't I'm not making a stance on the immigration issue or anything like that. This 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 was just funny to me. It said it said this it said planned parenthood says on immigration says every life matters. Is that is that an oxymoron? How do you how does every life matter when you perform 300,000 abortions every single year? like how How does that matter? Like, how does that matter? And the reason the world doesn't trust anybody because nobody's consistent. You're like you care about the immigrant, but you 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 are you are okay with hundreds of thousands of of babies, no matter just in this country. We're not talking about the world being murdered in the womb. Like, you're okay with that? But I'm just saying, let's be consistent. If we're going to be for life, let's be for life. Let's not be hypocrites. Come on, somebody, I'm just telling you, be <laughs> consistent. Uh, Revelation says it like this. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold. I know what to do with you. But because you want to ride straight down the middle and be lukewarm, I don't know how to deal with you. It makes me no- G- Jesus says, it makes me nauseous to my stomach because you just won't pick a side and roll with it. <laughs> it's, what, it's what Joshua said. He said, choose this day... Who you're going to serve. Like, let's stop playing church games. Let's stop playing this like I'm in one day and out one day. Let's stop playing Jesus is worthy of it all, and then the next day I'm like, I'm not so sure about it. Like, let's go ahead and go all out. Go all in. Give him all we've got. Submit totally to his word and, and see what happens as a result. All right. That's good. So, so third, it leads into this. I'm led by convictions. I'm led by convictions, not by my emotions. I'm led by godly wisdom, not worldly culture. I'm led by convic- conviction, not emotions. So first, I'm led by calling, not comfort. I'm led by godly wisdom, not worldly culture, right? There's a way that appears to be right, Proverbs says, but its end leads to death. It looks right the whole time. But then you show up at the end of it and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's death. That's it. That's right. There are a lot of people who are going to live their whole life thinking they were right and show up and it's going to end in death. Whew. God, help us. To not be afraid to tell the truth. Not our opinion. I remember Bishop Jakes was asked this question one time. They, they were asking him about a serious topic. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they, they said, what's your opinion? And T.D. Jakes says, I'm a preacher of the word of God. I don't have the luxury of having an opinion. Woo! I thought that is that is powerful because the thing that is crushing our world is it's so opinionated. Opinions. You know what opinions do? Opinions have the University of Tennessee hire a coach and a few hours later fire a coach because Twitter went crazy over it. You know, you're, you know you're living in an upside down world when, 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 when people in their mama's basement on Twitter are running the world. The problem with our culture is we have so many opinions, but God has a word. Word. And his word, when everything else passes away, when your opinion passes away, when your professor passes away, when every Democrat and Republican alive today passes away, their opinions will die with them. But his word will last forever. Flowers fade, grass withers, but his word will last forever. It will stand the test of time. Second thing kindness. You thinking, wow, you were just really mean. You're going to talk about kindness. No, I told you it's not mean to to speak the truth in love. I think we got a lot of people running around hateful Christians, just hateful. Nobody wants. I I remember a guy telling me one time, he said, the reason my church doesn't grow is because nobody wants to hear the truth. And I said, no, nobody wants to hear you. That's that's why your church isn't growing. The truth is not anti-growth. Have you ever heard, like, yeah, our, our church, no church isn't growing. Nobody, no young people are coming to our church because we preach the truth. No, you're just mean. Nobody wants to be around mean people. You can speak the truth and things grow. Actually, Jesus, who is the truth, the Bible says about him that sinners would draw near to the truth. You can't tell me the truth doesn't draw people. Jesus said, if you'll lift me up, truth up, I will draw all men to myself. Maybe your problem isn't you're preaching truth, you're preaching hate. Hate and truth are not the same thing. They do not coexist. Kind. Your kindness will expand your influence. When I talked when I, when I talk early earlier about consistency when when I'm when I'm talking about consistency I just I just like I said about revelation wish you were hortical. I just I just wish people would pick a side I wish they would pick a side because at least then we can identify you and one of the areas I I wish the church was more consistent in is kindness Church, a lot of people ask me this question all the time. Like I, I travel and and um, I, I've preached in some churches that other people with bigger churches than me have never preached in. And I've been in rooms that other people with more money and a bigger church and more influence and, and more connections are, are in. And and I, I have relationships that other people with more money and more influence should have. I'm from little old Johnson City, Tennessee. And God is doing something incredible In my life relationally, why? I will tell you the number one reason. Kindness has opened more doors for me than my preaching gift has ever opened for me. Kindness. Just being, just being kind, just treating people the way God would want them to be treated. Ephesians 4:32 says this: it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. For the sake of Christ, be kind. That's what he's saying. For the sake and cause of Jesus, be kind. I know it might not line up with your family history. And I know you might think because you got red hair, you have the right to an attitude. For the sake and cause of Christ, be kind. The the true test of following Jesus is this. Oh, man, this is so heavy. The true test of following Jesus is when you ask the question, how are you? You actually care about the answer. How many times have we asked, How are you? And literally, when they start to tell us, How are you? on the inside, you're thinking, I didn't really mean (laughs) for you to tell me how you were. I was expecting the cliche response better than I deserve, blessed and highly favored. Like, that's, (laughs) like, I wasn't really interested in how you were. I was just trying to do the Christian thing and say, hey, brother, how you doing? Well, I'm better than I deserve. I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. If I was any more blessed, I'd have to take something for it. I mean, my, pap- my papa used to say that. If I was doing any better, I'd have to take something for it. I was like, what does that even mean, papa? Like, <laughs> makes no sense. Like most of the statements Dusty makes about. i was me just messing. When we're on the golf course. <laughs> Kindness. Proverbs 11 and 17, watch this, Proverbs eleven seventeen 17 says, A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. You're hurting yourself with your cruelness. You're hurting yourself with the tone of your voice. I was telling our staff the other day, I said, I said, listen, there are some things that as leaders in Calvary Church that we just we don't do. When we are talking with someone or we are having to deal with a situation or we're having to correct somebody, we do not raise our voice. It's not who we are. And if somebody's done that to you, that is not who Calvary Church is. And that person owes you an apology. We don't raise our voice in this church unless I'm preaching really good. We don't, we don't get mad and and get out in the hallway and scream at each other. We don't go in the parking lot and scream at each other. That's not who we are. We are kind people. Why are we kind people? We are Christians. The thing Jesus said that would mark us and set us apart is how we treat one another, how we love one another. Our kindness will grow our influence. Do you want the church to have real influence in the earth again? Let's be kind. Let's just just treat people with respect. People that don't act like us, look like us, talk like us. You know one of the things that's so amazing? Even in the discussion I just had earlier about sexuality and relationships, do you know that there are many people on on Sunday mornings and maybe even here on a Wednesday night that go to this church and they're battling, struggling with homosexuality or other things like that, other sins, other major issues in their life? and things that they 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 feel like at other churches that they would be immediately pushed out the door if anybody knew that they were going through that or struggling with that or fighting that battle but here at Calvary Church they feel like they are able to come and 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 maybe 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 the kindness of God will lead to repentance maybe maybe his word is true and that he's he actually, he actually shows himself so good to people that they can't help but change. What if the world is waiting on a kind church? We've been spending all of our lives cherry picking scriptures and throwing bombs at people. God said, kindness is how you're going to change the world. Kindness. Tone is, tone is everything. I talk to our team even about their, their, their body language. Body language is important. Do you realize that many of you might even be missing out on promotion on your job because you have bad body language? It's maybe because you're sitting in a staff meeting and you're acting like you don't wanna be there. Like you just said the person over in the corner, like I don't even wanna be here. Like I don't even like this job and it's like, I'm better than this job. Well, if you're better, get another one. But right now, you're in that room, and if you don't act right in that room, you're going to lose that job. And if you get fired from that job, that goes on your history and your resume, and they cannot give you a good recommendation for your next job. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like, you better act right on this job. Body language. Do you know the reason most people, most people act like that is because the attention's not on them? It's people, that, it's, it's, it's people that act like they don't want attention very often that want all of the attention. Like, I'm just sitting over in this corner. I'm not trying to make a big deal of myself. But everybody in the room is partying and you're sitting over there moping like you are literally making this whole thing about you. Somebody's like, oh, man, you're really on me right now. Like, that was me in the boardroom today. Like, that was was me. Let me give you this third thought on expanding your influence. Third thing, security. Security. I'm not talking about an arrogance. I'm talking about a godly confidence that knows who you are. Remember we sang that song earlier? I am who you say I am. There is nothing that is robbing you of your future like insecurity. Insecurity is like cigarettes. It's taking days off of your life. It's robbing you of moments that you would have that you're wasting with a cancer stick in your mouth. You're you're wasting it. Nobody said you're going to hell for it, but even the Surgeon General said it's going to kill you. He put a big sticker on the side, a big sign on the side that said, this is not good for you. This is going to take days off of your life, but you do it anyway. Insecurity does the same thing. It robs you of days of fruitfulness because you spend your days mourning What you are not. When you are an insecure person, can I just give you some 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 things to kind of maybe check yourself? Maybe maybe you are insecure and you don't think you are. Insecure people, um, new is threatening to them. New is a threat. Change, uh, change is resisted unless we we it was our idea. Like you ever met that person like no idea is a good idea except their idea. Like you could have a great idea and they immediately resist it because that's what insecurity does. Whew, control is important. The minute they feel like they are losing control, they lose their mind. Another thing, insecure people are never generous with praise because to praise somebody else would be to take the focus off of them they are threatened by by applause for others <laughs> man can i tell you about me when i first started preaching especially when i first started pastoring like if i would have a guest speaker in and 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 they would they would really do good like and then i go online and it's like wow they got they got 36 comments on their sermon and I really went hard last week and only got 18. Like, what <laughs> What? What in the world? Do you know what that was? That was insecurity. That was insecurity because in my, in my mind, I'm thinking that their applause diminished me. But it never diminishes you. Somebody else getting praised or somebody else getting applause never diminishes you. It never makes you less because this thing is not about you and me anyway. Said so It's not about me. It's, it's, it's not about whether or not I give the credit. I don't serve to get the credit. I serve so that he gets the glory. That's why, that's why I serve. I don't preach to get the credit. I don't preach for the comments. I don't preach for the likes. I don't preach for the views. I preach so that he can get the glory. And if, if I'm insecure, I'll be, I'll be threatened when you, when you get up and somebody says, oh, man, Pastor Robbie, you should let them preach more. Well, what about me? You'll be threatened when you sing and then somebody else sings the, uh, the worship team. I wonder how they feel sometimes when, when they sing a song and then the next week somebody else sings that same song. And, and then the whole crowd goes crazy and they're like, well, they didn't act like that when, when I sang it last week. Can I tell you something about consistency and security? Can I tell you something The more consistent you are, the less compliments you get. Think about that. Think about that because what used to be exceptional is now common. It's expected. There's a danger in that for the person who expects what is common. But there's a security in the fact. Listen, if people used to tell you you were great and you didn't change, you're still great. What used to be extraordinary is just now expected. I started to realize our church, it's, it's not that another a guest preacher comes in and preaches better. Even if they preach better, that's not the problem. It's that the church has become so accustomed to a consistent word. That now the compliments that used to be there aren't there anymore. And so I can't lose my mind. Matter of fact, if I am living my my life for the reward of applause, then I will always be disappointed. Because this is what happens. If you let compliments go to your head, (laughs) failure will go to your heart. If you let compliments build you up and give you strength, then when you don't get them and when you feel like you have failed because you didn't get them, that will go to your heart. And they haven't changed, but you have changed. And you'll be preaching to the same people who love you just as much as they've loved you your whole life. And what's happened is it's consistency has changed the level of compliment. Can I tell you if you're working in kids ministry and you're not getting the compliments that you you used to get, it's because you're consistent. A non-compliment has become the compliment. Woo! You got to you got to learn to be secure. Security, security, security says a non compliment is actually a compliment. That means I'm doing my job. That means things are consistent. That means there is a quality of work that is being done every single time I do this job. And now what used to be extraordinary is now expected. Whew. Man, I pray that we get to the point in our church where we are so consistent that we don't worry about the compliments, we don't worry about the likes, we don't worry about the followers. I am not telling you this is how you get more followers on Instagram and Twitter. This is not what influence is about. I'm telling you that you can have less, inf- you can have less followers than somebody else and have more influence. Comparison. The thing about insecurity is it, it, so much comparison is taking place that comparison robs you of the ability to learn. And do you, do you know why God would bring into Calvary Church a preacher that would preach better than me? Not so I could go, oh, gosh, I'm not as good or I can't do what they do. Or, wow, look at them prophesy. Wow, look, look at how they... Man, if you compared yourself with John Gray as a preacher, you fail every <laughs> single time. Like, the only person on John Gray's level is the guy that looks just like him and he's just older. It's T.D. Jakes. Like, that's the only person that can keep up with that dude. Like you can't you can't do if you do that you will rob yourself of the opportunity to learn. And while you've been comparing yourself to God is saying I want you to actually learn from it. Comparison is robbing you of the opportunity to learn cuz you keep looking at him like I'm not that, I'm not that and there's a, there's a reason. I'm I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to teach you something. And that's so then that, isn't that so good? Because then I can just be confident. This is true. Confidence comes from knowing who I am and knowing who I am not. Like the main reason most people struggle with insecurities because they don't know who they are not. They're very familiar with who they are, but they they are not. They have not become uh, acquainted with or comfortable with who they are not. I will just never be able to sing like some people. There are no no classes that I can go to that can make me sing like John Gray sings. There are no classes that I could go to that will make me preach. Like, I, I I cannot imitate or try to be like their gift, but what I can copy and imitate is their hustle. You know what I can say? is what did it cost you to carry that anointing? Because even though I might not have the same gift, I can, I, can, I, can, I can work just as hard and operate in a great anointing. Oh, I can learn. Don't let talented people intimidate you. Let them teach you. Whew, that's good. When people are secure they're comfortable in drawing other people into the process. You, you can notice an insecure leader all the time because they're isolated, they're alone. They refuse to pull other people into the process. And when you refuse to pull other people into the process, you're missing out on so much that is available to you. So much relationship, so much insight, so much strength, because we are truly better Together. We are. It's just the way it is. Insecure people are not flexible. They get married to their way of doing things. Can I tell you something about Calvary Church? We are not married to a method. We are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of no method. I refuse to marry method. i not going to marry method because if I if I marry method, then I will never change. And when you get married to method, what what gave you life on one level will kill you on the next. Yeah. So Think about this for a second. You were when you were in the womb of your mother. You were in a sack full of water. You were you were submerged in water for nine months. When you were about to come into the earth, the water broke, and you came into a different environment. Now, if you said when you got out of the womb, "I don't like this. I want the water," go ahead, go try. It's not going. What was keeping you alive in one season? Will kill you in the next season. You cannot marry a method. <laughs> You're like, but I love the water. <laughs> I don't care how much you love the water. You cannot live underwater. A fish is free to jump out of the water, but it will die outside of the water. You cannot marry a method because what got you there is not the thing usually that will keep you there. And what is keeping you here is not the thing that will move you there. You have to be willing to change methods. The reason the water breaks is because it's a sign. It's a saying that this is the end of one season and the beginning of another season. Can I tell you, when you are are on the verge of brand new season in your life, it's when you struggle to breathe. When you come out of the womb, what do they got to do? You don't know what to do. So they smack you on the butt and you start crying. It's not to make you cry, it's to make you breathe. What's happening to you is not in your life to make you cry, it's there to make you breathe. You look at it and you're saying, God, this is painful, this is hurtful. No, I'm allowing this to happen because I need, to, I need you to open up your mouth and begin to breathe in oxygen. I'm trying to teach you how to live on a new level in your life. Can somebody give God praise that the pain has a purpose? It's to make me breathe. We you stand on your feet? It's after 8, and I need to let these children's ministry workers go before they stop being so kind. <laughs> they, are, they are too kind. I'm going to give you the fourth one real quick, and I'm going to close. The, this fourth one is, is courage. Courage. This is so important. Courage, it, just, just the dictionary says this about courage. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. This is necessary for your influence to grow. This is necessary for your influence to grow. You have to to attack things. You have to do things that scare you to death. The Bible tells us, Paul says to Timothy, he says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, what he's saying is there is a difference between fear and a spirit of fear it doesn't say i have not given you fear because then fear would be an ungodly emotion but very often fear is a very uh life-saving emotion have you ever have you ever been on on like a bridge and and your friend was like hey let's jump off and you were like no nah, i'm good and they jumped off and they broke their leg and you're like fear uh fear was a good thing like has fear ever saved your life like I'm watching movies sometimes and I'm like, why, why are you going into that room? Like everything on the inside of you should be shouting. There's something scary and bad on the other side of that door. Like, what are you doing? God is not asking you to be fearless. He's asking you to have courage. He doesn't want you to have a spirit of fear. In other words, what spirit means literally one of the translations of what spirit means is control. Hear people say all the time, well, they got a controlling spirit or they got Jezebel spirit. What they're literally saying is that that thing is controlling them. God is saying, I don't want you to be controlled by fear. I want you to be courageous. It's not that fear isn't going to be there. It's just that courage gives you the ability to do something that you're frightened of. It scares you to death. I, w- I wouldn't do this if, I, if it wasn't for courage. And the Bible is so beautiful because it doesn't tell us to be strong in ourselves. It tells us to let our hearts take courage in the Lord. That's what Psalms tells us. Let your heart take courage in the Lord. Be bold, be strong. Why? For the Lord your God, he is with you. Wherever you go, I'm going with you. Whatever you say, I'm backing you up. Whatever you do, I'm in it with you. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna abandon you. I'm not gonna forsake you. I'm gonna walk this thing through you. There is so much influence to be gained when you just do it. When you just have the courage to start? There are so many things that God wants to do in your life, but you, your fear is controlling you. It's robbing you of purpose and destiny, and you are you are standing on the outside of things that God has for you because fear is keeping you out. And God says, "I want you to be strong and courageous." And I want you to walk right in the door. I want you walk walk right in the door when nobody thinks you should. I want you to walk right in the door when you don't have all of the 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 background that says you should be in this door. I want you to apply for jobs that you don't have the background for. I want you to ask for things that you don't you don't have the pedigree for. I want you to believe me for influence that you don't deserve. I want you to believe God that He can do things in your life that you didn't earn and you didn't deserve and 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 you didn't work hard for. I'm there's something too hard work, but I'm telling you there is something to courage that causes you to walk in areas and spaces that your, your, your degree couldn't get you in. Your family history can't. You don't have the right last name to walk in that door. You don't have the right connections to walk in that door. But God wants to expand your influence if you will take courage and put your foot into that door and walk into that thing and not let fear control you any longer. Is there anybody in this room who say, I'm tired of fear dictating my decisions. Like, I am sick of fear dictating. So don't have a spirit of fear, Paul says. But I've given you a spirit. It's of power. I want you to be controlled by the power of God. I want you to be controlled by love. And I want you to be controlled by a sound mind. That's what, that's what I want to control your life. Don't let fear control you. Let the power of God control your decisions. When you look at a situation, don't look at it in fear. Look at it and say, what could God's power do in this situation? If God showed up, what could happen in this situation? If God did what God does, then that changes everything. What could love do in this situation? What could the power of love do? What could a spirit of love do? in this situation what could a sound mind do that that just means there, there's not an uneasiness there's not an unsettledness in my life and in my heart there's a steady there's a steady expectation of God's goodness over my life like like I, i'm a sound like my mind is not being tormented by the enemy but my mind is being controlled by the thoughts of heaven over my life and that's what God wants for you Will you raise your hands tonight if you can? I just want to pray for you.